In this episode of the Face Transition Podcast, I dig a little deeper into Marlena's experience being born and raised in Utah as an African-American woman. We talk about her experience at BYU, the reaction around her when she left the church. We discuss this year's first lift of the priesthood band celebration and what transpired from it, the apology hoax that came at the same time, the pressure to conformity which leads to cognitive dissonance, what is her spiritual foundation today, and more. You may occasionally hear her babies in the background because that is real life. I'm grateful that Marlena was willing to open up and share a little more after her Mormon stories. If you want more details about her upbringing and faith crisis, you can listen to her Mormon stories and I put the link below in the notes. Again, thank you so much for joining me today in the Face Transition podcast. I really hope you enjoy this candid discussion and feel free to leave your thoughts and comments in whichever platform you may be listening from. Marlena, thank you so, so much for being willing to talk to me. Um, I was super intrigued after I listened to your interview with John Dallin on Mormon Stories. And there were a few points that I really wanted to kind of dig more into. Um, and as, as you know, you know, as we, we talked about and, um, you know, you, you may have listened to a few of the podcasts I put out, but my goal is really to kind of see where, where people go from the transition or as they transition and what they kind of grab onto in order to rebuild a new foundation, in order to really live their authentic self, you know, what are the things that have helped? And again, it's with the goal of helping, you know, those who are transitioning who may be at earlier phases and, and kind of need ideas and things, you know, and not to say that everyone is going to have the same journey because it's different from, for everyone. But I do think that hearing a story that resonate with what you live in can validate and, and just kind of give that little push. And yeah, and I just think there is, there is fascinating things about some of the things you shared. So where I want, and for, you know, for people who haven't listened to Marlena's uh, Mormon stories, just I encourage you to go and, and listen to it so that you can have more of the full story. Basically, it hasn't been that long since you decided to not participate anymore in the Mormon church. And I, I, I would like to know how it's been, like the transition. It appears to me that, and maybe I'm wrong, but that you were never quite in an angry phase. Yeah. Like maybe disappointment, but not anger. Or did you have... I, I did. It kind <laughs> of, I mean, it went, it passed a little bit sooner than I thought, but I definitely, that was probably, it almost like when I had, um, it, it was interesting when I would start transitioning away, and then once I read the letter, and then what letter are you talking about? The CS letter, okay. even though that didn't really like, it wasn't the only thing that got me out, it was part of it, but then it was how people treated me after I left as well that factored into some of that angry phase that I went through, and I was, I was upset as to how, how it was interesting to watch other people process me leaving Mm. And that also triggered other, like the anger okay. with um, figuring things out. But it didn't last very long, but I definitely had that. And then I passed. And then after that, it kind of passed into, you know, the sadness. I was, you know, of loss, you know. Of course. And 
you know, because I really did enjoy, you know, that world that was created. You know, I there was like a fairy tale kind of idea towards it, and and then all it's like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real, you know, absolutely, and absolutely. it was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. As long yeah. as you don't question anything, it's all good. You just want yeah. to go with the flow, and you're on the boat. And- <laughs> You know, you're just sailing and you know exactly what should happen and you're aiming that direction. So, um, so I want to go back. So when, when, so when you, you know, you read the letter, the CS letter, you, you kind of, I'm sure like everyone else, try to find ways to contradict it or to prove it wrong, but can't, obviously don't come with anything solid enough to prove yeah. it wrong. Because I think that's really what most people do uh, who really believed uh, it's not like they just take it for face value. They do research and they do try to figure out, you know, how can I prove this wrong so I can still believe what I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my question to you is, did anyone in your ward at the time, friends inside, ask you why you left? No, actually. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like they're afraid to ask. I, I found that some people are almost... They, it's like they want to believe the idea that I've, you know, fallen or that mm-hmm. I'm struggling. Then that, well, in, you know, actually, I take it back. I did have a couple of friends who did ask me, and I felt like they were, they're a little bit more open in the religion than I feel like most people are. They, so they did ask me, and they're very supportive and understanding and mm-hmm. knew that, you know, that I really thought this through. They wanted to let me know that this is my story, and I get to kind of, decide what I, you know, I support, they support me and how I handle the situation. That's, and that's really nice. That's very noble. Quite frankly, at my very earlier stage, because I think I fought for a long time, wanting to see changes and wanting you right. know, people to coexist with different beliefs right. in the church, which is very, very difficult. So anyways, it's interesting. And also the more I think about it and how looking at all the people I know, all the people I was supposedly close to my whole decades in the church, I mean, there is a couple of few who did ask. Most said nothing. And a few just come at you with solutions to to issues they don't really know what they are. Like they give you talks and they tell you what to do. They, they, they assume they know instead of simply asking, okay, what's going on? Why did you, you know, and that's, I think that's what made me want to shout a little bit yeah. when I left and, and do the Mormon stories and do all these articles because it's like, I don't want anyone to assume why I left. I want them to know exactly why I left, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's actually why I, I also felt compelled to do it as well um, because mm-hmm. You know, I think there's this, there, especially within the church, this idea that people who leave, they're only leaving because they want to sin, quote unquote. That I remember when when I was really active in the church and my friends would leave, and I have this idea that somehow I was better than, you know, there's, now I didn't really like articulate, I couldn't articulate that, but now that I think back on it, it was this idea that I knew better than them and that I needed to help them mm-hmm. to come back. Right. And that they're lost. And yep. so because I was there, I knew that I knew that a lot of people who I loved and and any people I didn't know who were gonna think that way, because that's kind of the mentality that we're taught to think. Absolutely. And so I felt like I need to explain myself because there I'm sure there are people who maybe even feel like 
similar to what I'm going through to let them know that they're, there's nothing wrong with them. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. You're not sinning. You know, this is your choice, what we want to do. So, And I feel like it's empowering to have as many voices as possible out there sharing yeah. these things because, yes, when you're in the church, you kind of look at people leaving. You hear, you know, you, there's always rumors because I remember being in, like, you don't go and ask. It's almost like this unspoken rule that you just don't go and ask. Yeah. But you are curious and you hear rumors and you rely on those rumors. Like, you know, oh, she went up the deep end and she started drinking and, you know, there was a divorce and this and that. And you hear the stuff and you just go with that. And not that you're going to judge or not judge, but it, it's a it's a kind of a very limited, sometimes false knowledge. And then you kind of move on. You want, you feel like you need to pray for them and hope right. they come back and send those little things. So, you know, it's, it's very much, I know it comes out of goodness, quote unquote. Right. But it's always, it's never trying to understand the person. It's trying right. to save them even when they don't want to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a very strange thing. Yeah. And I, I also think too, deep down, I think there might be a part of some of us who also, things that don't add up and we're not ready to look at those things that don't add up. And so by making all these rumors or those ideas of being the reasons why it helps make sense for us when we've maybe even had, you know, been like, Oh, you know, I don't know if I like this, but you're not ready to look at it. And so it makes it easy when you just blame it on, Oh, they're, they're doing the bad, you know, okay. Well, and the reason is you don't question leadership. Yeah. And anything that is re- even close to what, you know, the leader could have said or what they agree on, even if you don't feel so good about it, you, you just quickly dismiss your, your own conscience. You dismiss uh-huh. it to leave room for, it's, it's this unspoken rule, but it is a hard rule. You just will not contradict the prophet or the leaders. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's just not something you do. Right. And, um, Again, it was something interesting when, when John, you know, when I did the Mormon stories and he said, so, you know, are you like disagreeing with, you know, the leadership? And I have to think for a second. I'm like, yeah, I am actually. But, it, you know, it's, you have to really give yourself permission to wow. like disagree when yeah. anyways, I, I don't want to dwell too much on that. But so you were saying that you had listened to like the priesthood celebration last yeah. year. Uh-huh. And then we had the little, you know, afterwards. So what was, because at that point, you still pretty much in. Or yeah. Where, I, where were you at when that happened? Well, people would view me, you know, how, you know, the term as a Jack Mormon. I was kind of like me and my husband at that point mm-hmm. where we would, like in church, we would often be in the back and, you know, the teacher would say something and you'd just be like, uh, that's not true. You know, we would, okay. we're very much like focused on the idea of, the higher law versus the right. lower law, like really right. studying Christ and realizing that Christ wasn't really a rule follower. So we were right. kind of like starting to, you know, kind of making a transition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's where I was at. Okay. So then that happens and then you watch, did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, we, I was actually there physically. Oh, you were there. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the show itself, it was a, it was a really cool show. So tell me what were all your thoughts about it? Yeah, so I actually went with my best friend. Um, she is also African American with her parents. You know, when I went there, it was it was nice. It was nice to experience that, you know, but at the same time, a little frustrating, like Oaks, you know, when he was speaking. I was a little bit frustrated. Sorry, let, let me stop you for a minute. So yeah. for people who don't know exactly what we're talking about, explain what that was. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so it was kind of like a celebration from the priesthood band that, you know, because now once a priesthood band was created, blacks could join, have the priesthood and, you know, participate in all the temple ordinances and ceremonies. And that was kind of the celebration. Yeah, to kind of the anniversary of allowing that to happen. So even before we go on that, you know, I think even for me, when it came to the idea of Blacks not receiving the priesthood, I have always, ever since I was a little girl, and I, and I think it's because of who my parents were, have never, I have always known that that wasn't what God wanted, you know, or I, that, when I was, I've never, like. Yeah, I think, I want to say most Black people never bought that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was in Belgium, I wasn't even, like, fully immersed in, like, Mormon land, and I'm like, that's just BS. And It but, really is, yeah. I never dug into it. Yeah. Later, because that's when I got mad. Because I was, just, I just dismissed it and didn't care. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I and I knew about Jane Manning and Elijah Abel and all that stuff. And I think that's what helped me to be yeah. okay because yeah. I knew that there are other religions that also did similar things. Sure. Sure. I mean, there are other religions that taught about the you know fence sitters and you know the curse of Cain. Going to it, you know, it was. I was expecting kind of a little bit more like, so when Oak spoke, that kind of like kind of ruined it for me a little bit, but. Um, I don't even remember exactly. I, I, I was just frustrated because I just wish that he didn't relate. I don't know if he related, I'm trying to remember if he related 9-11 to slavery or if it was he was relating some other event to slavery that I didn't feel like there was appropriate. Whatsoever. Yeah, and even if, sure, he can have an opinion to believe what's, but it just wasn't appropriate for the situation because there are people here who are black who right. they don't want to hear it. Like, I, anyway, like it just almost was like, this happened, now get over it. That's yeah. kind of what the, the talk felt like. Mm-hmm. And I am kind of, I always, so living in Utah, I'm kind of used to people saying certain things. And so I kind of choose what I allow to get work, worked Perfect. over. Yeah. yeah, and what I just, so I didn't really let that, because I've heard stuff like that all the time, but my friend, when she heard that, she was very upset and mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. and actually didn't return until the very end. Oh, wow, so she left the room? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. she had a point. She made her point. Yeah, and she was actually, my friend was going through that angry phase of leaving the church that so I wasn't quite there yet, oh. so... Okay. You know, if that makes sense. I was still kind of trying to hold on. Yeah. She was kind of like, sorry. I get both of you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So my thing with that, of course, that whole letter blew at the same time, right? You remember? Um, uh, yeah. I should know because he wrote to me too. Um, who, who wrote the fake apology? Right. Oh, is it Jonathan? I, I don't remember his name. So when, of course, I was already out a couple yeah. of years when that happened but you know I somehow you know in my feed or someone sends it to me and and the first few lines you know I'm like of course believing it I'm like I'm like oh wow that's long time due you know and then very shortly after someone else says hey I'm actually part of this she she wasn't like she didn't write but she was helping she helped doing it uh and she's like it's a hoax and for me I wasn't affected as much because I was already out and I'm like, no wonder it's not real. Like I'm not surprised. I was hurt um, for the African-American, yeah, Yeah. African who were 
heard, I was heard for them. I was also not okay with kind of the vitriol sent to, oh my gosh, I want to, I, I want to call him Jonathan, but uh, I wasn't okay with people like tearing him apart because he also didn't do it to hurt and it did, you know, and I think he got it and he felt super bad and the whole people behind like, and yeah, if someone's going to do something like that, let it be a black person because at least, you know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> each other, whatever. I agree. So, you know, I went in some of the forums and people were being very, um, oh, how do you say? Sometimes it's very difficult to have those conversations. If there is, you know, it's almost like if there is a white person in a room, just shut up and listen, say nothing. But that's not how communication goes. You know, you have to be, you have to allow for back and forth and agree to disagree or, but to to slap down people no matter what and not let people express themselves. I, I never agree with that. I just, I just want always the communication to be open because that's the only way to, to move things forward. Now, sometimes I will tell you the truth. I was a little bit upset with the African-American community within the church because it's like, guys, come on, like you can't. And, and, and again, Part of me is like, I've been there, done that. I know exactly how you feel. But the other part is stop covering up for them because quite frankly, they don't deserve it. You know, like the leadership. <laughs> so I'm like, just be courageous. And you, and again, it's wrong of me because you can't push people into seeing the way you see. Uh-huh. People are going to choose to see the way they see and that's their right and that's their choice. But I, I have to say that part of me at that time was like, I just wish you were just not giving them so much credit and so much leeway for being jerks, you know? (laughs) So anyway, it's a very complicated and delicate uh, situation. But at the same time, I do agree that, you know, we do need to respect people's journey simply, you know, whatever whatever it is they choose, you know, um, you can impose, you know, on them. So anyways... So my other question kind of along with that was what was and is your view of uh, Gladys Knight in the church? Yeah. So do you, do you want me to address the, what you were just talking about first? Yeah. Or yeah, whatever comes okay. to mind. So for me, when, when that came out, I actually, I was angry. Um, and I was still kind of like, like I said, I was still kind of like still figuring out where I, you know, making the church fit me, you know, I was kind of being, um, but I was a, a little upset about it because even though I'm sure, like even now that I, I get it, now that I'm out, but I also can totally identify and understand why a lot of black members got really upset, especially those who have been living in Utah like mm-hmm. me and who, and it's and I have this like weird feelings because I'm out now and I get it. And then I also can totally remember when I was so in and how horrible that was for me. Because I remember I was sharing it, and I think it was even frustrating that the person that told me that it wasn't real, but they were white. And unfortunately, I just have to be honest, if it was a black friend who would have told me, hey, Marlena, this actually isn't true, for some reason, that just wouldn't hurt as much. Yeah. Does that make sense? I get it. Uh, it would have been, but it, it was almost like... It would still be sad and wrong, but it would have been taken differently. Yeah, because I feel like even though this guy, he did mean so well he still doesn't understand because he's not black that, mm-hmm. that, so it just was like, even though 
he, he met well, there it still felt like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And, and you're right, it's not going to happen, but it was almost like, you know. I remember he felt bad about it, you know, like, yeah. and, and the intention wasn't to hurt. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I just felt like he, you know, that's just a, at least, you know, I think he maybe needed to just thought of what would oh, happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he should have just expected that that was going to happen. But, you know, out, now that I'm out, even it's like interesting because I do have those feelings, but at the same time, I'm also grateful for it <laughs> because at, now that I'm out, I'm grateful. It brought it up again because quite frankly, do what you preach, you know, recognize when you're wrong and apologize for it because an apology is appropriate. Well, <laughs> and I, I could be wrong, but from what I understand, it wasn't the first president's idea to even put that together. And I, and I know who did. And so that's another thing that, you know, I mean, it wasn't even. Oh yeah. They get the credit and, oh, and that doesn't surprise yeah. me one bit. And I think I kind of heard that, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And then Gladys Knight, um, you know, I, the thing, how I feel is I, I really strongly believe that people need to have their journey. And so and, and do you mean just like the fact that she's still at LDS? But I, I was just curious to know, to, to find out what were your feelings like when she, she joined the church? Yeah, when I was younger, it definitely meant a lot to me because, you know, it's nice to see, you know, a, a black face, you know, that's doing something similar to what you're doing and also somebody that you admire. And I definitely admired her. And like, you know, I even have people, like I'm even friends with people like, um, yeah. I'm really good friends and I respect a lot of people who are still active. I just... Because I feel like one thing I think is, is is important to allow people to have their decision because I still am so grateful that my dad, he didn't tell me or told me to leave the church and that I was able to come on my own. But that's just me personally. I, I, I'm grateful that he didn't be like, you know, you're wrong in your decision, that he honored me in whatever decision that I wanted to do. And so I totally respect anyone, whatever they want to do. I, you know, there's great people who are still, I mean, and that's just my opinion, you know? Right. The sisters in Zion, are they still like going with the podcast and whatnot? Like, do you know, so you know them personally? Yeah. I yeah. They're great. Sandra Brains and Tamu Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're out there, like, yeah. you know, um, that and I'm intrigued, you know, especially, you know, I was super intrigued because you were born and raised there, you know, yeah. not, I mean, I've lived there and served my mission there and, you know, I feel yeah. like connection and stuff, but it's different than, uh, than living there. I mean, that's your, that's your home, you know? And I remember when I was at BYU, like one of my jobs was to be kind of a tutor to these two little girls that I really adored. Um, they were adopted. They were, they were black little, little girls. Um, mm -hmm living in Alpine and I was um, babysitting them and tutoring. Basically, I think the parents really wanted them to have another yeah. around and they were super sweet and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was wondering often, like, how would it be to just be the only one in your town and yeah. African-Americans in Utah? But did you guys have like some kind of like get together with? Other oh. <laughs> yeah so you've heard of genesis right yes so i used to go actively all the time okay. um, should i explain it yeah. yeah that was definitely an outlet because it was a group you know a place for african you know black people members mm -hmm. to come 
And I mean, anyone was welcome, but to come and, you know, it was great because like testimony meeting, like people would talk about real stuff, you know, but, and, and you know, they brought in, you know, kind of like some, you know, similar things that are seen in Baptist churches and, you know, are allowed to clap and, you know, allowed to, um, you know. Culturally, it was different too. Yeah. And I think that's what saved me. That's what kept me, I think, in the church for so long, because for instance, you know, after we would say the prayer and, we, you know, um, song, they'd tell us to stand up and to meet someone we never knew. And we would talk and like hug people, you know, and you could feel the love. And like, you know, it felt so genuine, like, you know, people, you know, you know, you would hug, we were hugging, we would shake hands and, and, um, and then, you know, afterwards, I don't think they do this anymore. They might, but we used to have refreshments and we were able to sit and talk and right. we were there till like 9 p.m. Like, well, you know, I kind of wish I had, you know, gone to that. I was, you know, busy with school and then I had my own stuff going on and I never really ventured that direction. But I felt when Gladys Knight joined, in fact, uh, I met her on Temple Square like oh. maybe a year after she had joined and I showed her around. She came with her whole family and she was so cool. sweet. She was very genuine. Um, I just loved her. Yeah, she's her own person. And I really admire that, admire that about that. And I love the spirit she brought in. And it's exactly what you're talking about, except it's that her on her own. I mean, I, right. I, you remember when we had the Relief Society General Conference, yeah. she would talk and it would be yeah. such a different feel, like right. what you're explaining, where right. she would kind of bring that vibe from you know, right. African-American culture. And it was just so refreshing. I'm like, yes, you know, and everyone loved it too. And they're like, oh, finally, you know, we don't yes. have to be so stiff in our chairs, you know? If she can hang out, I hope she stays because she's, I think she's really good blood in within the church. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, and that's like kind of why I feel like there's some people who who are even choosing to stay because they feel like they can help bring change. And they have, I, I mean, I think that they have. Yes. And so, but I just know that's not my journey right now. What I was curious about was, you know, once you, you left and you, rec I love that part where you decide, you know, you want to reconnect with your father. Yeah. He has also a pretty incredible story and his yeah. name alone, I mean, Joe Smith, is he a Joseph or is he just a Joe? So he goes by Joe Smith, but you know, I think What's at the time, his real first name, his real first name is actually, uh, I'm kind of confused. So his mother wanted him to name him Joey. Okay. But they put Joseph on his birth certificate. But technically, because back then, I don't know what they were, you know, how yeah. the times, they weren't respectful. They put Joseph, but he was supposed to be Joey. Yeah, they didn't put, yeah, it was supposed to be Joey on his birth certificate. Wow. But they put Joseph. Mm -hmm. And so, but then he goes by Joe. So it's kind of complicated. He was in Utah, you know, he kind of... You know, probably everyone probably took yeah, that. Yeah, you know, oh, or Joseph Smith, yeah. yeah. They just assumed his, well, I, you know, Joseph Smith, you know. Yeah. yeah, that is just so funny. But anyway, and that he's a black guy. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and people always, it was so funny, though, how people were like, that's not his name. Like, like, like they, they oh, thought God. he was making a joke, probably. Yeah, when I was talking, they would always think I was joking. I'm like, no, no. Joseph Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, so once you decide, so again, for the people who haven't heard Marlena's story, just go back to Mormon stories and listen to the whole thing. And I'm picking up at, the, at a point where you say, you know, I guess you're in Georgia, you give it a try. 
and, and maybe we'll go back there, but, um, and then you decide to move back to Washington where your, your father yeah. was, and you want to reconnect with him after, yeah. this, you know, you hadn't really been uh, living together for quite yeah. a while. Yeah, it was good. And, and at that time I was in high school mm-hmm. um, and I was still active, but it was just nice to kind of see his side. And, and unfortunately I didn't get to stay with him too long because that's when I um, ended up, because he, ha- he got a job back in Utah. And then I, because it was my senior year, I moved in with a friend and her father happened to be a state president. Right. I remember sure. the whole story. <laughs> yeah. It was intense. <laughs> so during that time, I didn't get to reconnect with him as much as I'd like to, but it wasn't until, well, we did reconnect, but it wasn't until I finally had left the church that I was able to really realize that because unfortunately i you know, the church, when, when people leave, you have this idea that they did something wrong or that they're bad, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then when I found out, it changed my mind. And I mean, it didn't help too because my parents were divorced and, you know, they both had a big part in it, but he also did some things that, you know, so there was a lot of things that also added to the whole situation. So what I'm curious to know is, um, did you ever had that conversation of why did you leave? And like, did he ever open up to you? Finally, um, as far as like church goes, I don't want to go into any, you know. Yeah. Yep. He had a faith, like a crisis of faith as well, and real stuff. And when did that happen in your lifetime? Because it's also very courageous of him and and graceful for him to have kept it all. Yeah. I I don't know if you maybe share with your your mother, and that's one of the reasons why it's conflict. Because I know a lot of couples where one is in faith crisis, the other isn't, and then it creates conflicts in the, in the marriage. Right. Um, for my parents, if, if my dad had have gone through that faith transition at the time of their, their, um, if th- that wasn't the reason, because for instance, my mom is married to a man who's not LDS. Okay. She's never really been somebody who was like, she's very bitch. I do what I want kind of thing. And okay. I really respect her. I think as a, as okay. someone who's active, she really is able to. And she's still active today. Yeah, she still is. But, you know, she, I, I wish I could. She does it her own way. She does it her own way. Yeah. Um, but with my father, for him, he was kind of going through the repentance process. Mm. And I remember he was dabbling into, like, Marion Williamson, if you know her. She, yeah. Um, yeah, so he was dabbling into that. And then, and, and then he actually became a, um, I think it's a minister in the, the, the like, course of miracles. He like actually went through all the courses. And okay. I think okay. he told me once that he actually was with Marianne Williamson, which she wasn't as like big. Yeah. Um, and they had a talk and, you know, she wasn't judgmental or anything. And she just was like, so tell me like, why are you still in the church? You know, because of where he was. And he's like, you know what? I don't know. And that's kind of, because he was studying a lot of like um, the fourth agreements and a lot of these things. I realized like, oh yeah, I'm not really mm-hmm. like, this isn't really for me. And then that's when he left. And then, you know, um, my father, even my grand great grandfather was very, very spiritual as you can right. see. And so that was just in my background. And I think he started to kind of gravitate towards that. Like I did after mm-hmm. as well. Take into that. So basically he found, his own spirituality, which was mm-hmm. 
quite frankly, for people who are seekers, the church is very restrictive. Yeah, exactly. It's like you need more and you need to just go find out and explore. And Yeah, and all religions, frankly, are kind of, at least in my opinion, I felt like he, like he was like not really religious. It's like I started to be okay with the idea that I don't know everything because I feel like when you're in the church, it's to. like everything's explained almost. Yes. It's like you have to, I have an answer for this. I need to know the answer. Or if I don't know the answer, it will come later. But like, as far, yeah, as far as like, I know what's going to happen when I die. I know what's, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know. And I'm, I've kind of been open to the idea of I don't know and that's okay. I don't need to know everything. That's kind of where I'm at. And, and, you know, it gives so much peace when we come to that uh, conclusion of it's okay not to know. Yeah. So with your father then, at that point, you left and then you went to him and explained to him why you had left. It was a little bit different. Like it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. And he like, op- that's when he opened up mm-hmm. and told me why, you know, he left, which I really respect that he didn't do this in the midst of. And then at the same time, I was like, when he was going through his faith transition, I was like 10, you know, it was young. Right. Yeah. So I'm grateful that that's when he opened up and told me more. And I And that's kind of how I feel because of what it helps me with, why I, how I approach people who are still faithful. I just, I, anyway, in my opinion, I just am grateful that he didn't tell me that what I was doing was wrong. And so what about your mom? Like once you decided, like what was her reaction and how yeah, relationship been with her? Yeah, I'm really grateful for my mom because my mom has always been the type to be like, you get to choose what you want to do. Ever since I was a little girl, she's always been that way. Um, anytime that even the members would say something that was off or wrong to tell them off. And in Linden, Utah, a lot of people weren't used to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was very much like, no, that's not true. You know, we had a black Christ in our house, you know, so. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like my mom, when I told her she was shocked because I think my whole family was shocked. Because I'm, I was a very much like, everyone else like kind of slowly left. And I was like the one that I would go to church on my own. I would read the scriptures. I was very active. Mm-hmm. And they just never thought I would ever leave. So they were all shocked. But my mom was shocked the most because I think she was worried that it would just be, be lost. Yeah. And, and also she was sad that I, it wasn't me and her anymore. Right. You know, right. it was me and her, you know, and she... She was able to be my escort when my, we got married, mm-hmm. uh, got married to my husband. She, so she was sad that she was losing that. Yeah. And I think there was a part of her that was like, cause my mom used to be Catholic. So I think, you know, the idea of leaving a religion, I think still is kind of ingrained in, you know, it's ingrained, yeah. even though she's not like typical active Mormon, the idea of leaving, I think is really hard because it's like, She's in a community of flock, exactly. a way of being. Um, and, and that was me and my, my mother. Too. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Cause like when I look back, I was the one, like when my mom, like when my mom was dating, I remember like she'd have, you know, her garments and she would like kind of pull her garments down to, you know, be kind of like, you know, um, sexy or whatever. And I'd be like, mom, pull those up. So that was kind of like our relationship. I was more of like the one, I was the stickler. But then eventually she, she, I mean, she's okay now. Like, oh yeah. You know what? So my mom, she watched the whole podcast. Oh, wow. And then she actually read the CS letter. So like my mom, but she's still active. Like she's still a member, but she's like, yeah, I, you know, she's like, yeah, you're right. This thing is kind of messed up, but it's like, 
it's the culture for her, the families and the yes. friends that she's met. And the way that she is as a person, she's always been what she believes. So she's true to herself with yes. the community. So I feel like in the community and that's yes, exactly. So I feel like for her, I wish that I could be like her in the church, if that makes sense. Then I could if I wanted to stay in the church, then yeah. that's when it's safe. But I just couldn't I'm not that I was it was hard for me to honor myself and be authentic yep. in the church, and I had to leave. Yep. But for people who can be themselves and call out the crap, mm -hmm. I think you know that's a, it's a different experience for them. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. No, I um, I I'm the same way. I admire people who are able to just you know do it you know and, and and not be bothered too much but there is like anything else it's not black or white yes i agree there's a lot of good in the church i mean i've had a lot of good you know i get that for some people it's their community it's their family want to sacrifice that so yeah now with your spouse you're pretty much aligned yeah where are you at like you pretty yeah. much, and that really helps yeah, you know, it, it was interesting when he watched the CS letter, he also didn't, he also was so respectful to me and he read it, but he was like, Marlena, you know, like, I don't want you to feel like you need to come to, like, be where I'm at. It's okay if you still want to be active, I support you. Um, he basically was like, okay with trying to suffer alone, but I think he didn't, re I think he didn't quite realize that just being black in the church, I think it's hard not to have struggles right. in the church. And so even though I hadn't read the CS letter at that time, I had so many things um, that were on my shelf, as people say. You know, the one thing I, I guess I, I would like to touch on is there are times now I look back on it that I feel like I was the way that I, I don't want to necessarily say that I was, um, a victim or kind of being the victim mentality but the way that I was treated if that makes sense as the identity of being black at BYU is like such a token um, a token thing and maybe you can relate to this I I'm grateful that I've gone but at the same time I feel like my identity as a um, black person and what that means it was just interesting to experience that at BYU. And I'm like trying to articulate it, but it's kind of hard because I know how I feel, mm -hmm. but it's hard to kind of express what, I mean, you know what it was like to be, be a black person at BYU. I have to, it's a very interesting dynamic here because for me, um, you know, I'm a foreigner. So they, first of all, they were from Belgium, you know, oh, she has an accent and she speaks different and, you know, she's different. And I'm used to that and I don't care. Right. There's also the whole Mormon thing, which because before I went to BYU, I went to college one year in Belgium, which is a completely, you know, more like a normal uh, environment with, you know, people getting drunk on the weekend and kind of crazy life, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't participate, but that was just a normal right. uh, student college life. Right. And going from that to clean cut sleep. I'm also from Europe where mm -hmm. most people don't even know what Mormon is, you know? <laughs> Young people have sex and they drink and they, you know, and it's not a big deal. And I don't know. It's just com compared to that, being able right. to use such a clean, clean, you know, right. I actually felt comfortable because that was my lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. 
but yes, yeah, so the, the difference for me was people were actually treating me like a little, like, and I say that in my Mormon stories interview that like the professor, they were like making sure I was feeling included, you know, because I was uh, like, going out of the way to say hello or, you know, like uh, not treating, but that too is, you know, like just treat me the same as everybody else. Like I don't need that extra, you know, attention. Right. But I can also see how, and, and this is me with my, again, foreigner perspective, but also black person and, and having learned, you know, through, you know, I've been in the U.S. for over 20 years on and off. But had I gone to like a African-American university, it would have been different. And I think maybe that's what you're feeling, too, that I could have had something culturally more enriching. Yeah, you know, I think the hardest thing was like dating was kind of, I mean, it was good, but also hard. Dating was kind of difficult. It made me laugh when you talk about that in Mormon stories. Well, how people try to set you up and then, you know, of course, oh, a guy who served in Africa. Like I had yes. the same thing. Like I was always oh. trying to be put on blind date with the one black guy that who knows who knew. You know, it's right. like, okay, so because we have the same skin color, we're going to get along, really. Right. Yeah, and it's like this like mentality that I don't think people realize, but you can, you can feel it. It's like for some reason, deep down, these people who you love and are friends, but they feel like that they're, you're different. Mm-hmm. There's still this idea that you're different and that in order for you, you need to be with this person, even though, hey, yeah, I mean, anyone can be with who they want to be with, but the idea to that this is where you belong. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, I don't think- Two black people, let's put them together. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like, I could feel that and that hurt. But yeah. I don't think I realized what was going on until- like when I went on my civil rights trip and then also when I started to really understand, you know, what is going on here, you know, because it's like, it's like you anyway, cause, but then that, I just experienced that a lot and I was kind of used to it. And so I was kind of numb to it. But it's um, not right. And I get that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like I left BYU that I realized, Oh crap. Like that's not really cool. Like, yeah, I dealt with it, but it was hurtful to me as a person. Yes. Like I, I, there were the phase where I was always trying to, be like them, you know, even when it came to my hair, like I wasn't respectful towards my hair. Like I was trying to like straighten them, which I do, but it's really because I'm super lazy. Like I, I know, no, I, I try to let it go and like be natural. And maybe I, I will at one point, but I seriously, I'm so lazy. I have to do it. Cause I'm like, I no, can, no, like, I totally <laughs> get that. But I, I'm like, cause like the thing was, if I straighten my hair for me, that's a totally different situation mm-hmm. but I did it for them I did not look too ethnic yes so looking back you wish you had been more yourself basically yes I wish you know I was actually kind of I was outgoing mm-hmm. but I was also shy in a way like I, yeah like now that I it's interesting since I've left the church I've been more me authentically and I realized like I I like to have fun, but that was one thing that I didn't allow myself to do because I I I tried. Okay, how do I say this? There are so many stereotypes, and right. for a lot of people who don't know other cultures or they haven't met other people of different races, they they have this idea of what black means. Right. And so I tried so hard not to be that because. It was like reinforced the stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. And it was also black was also I know people didn't say this or articulate it, but it was almost like it was bad. It was like 
oh, I'm interested in the troublemaker kind of idea. So I'm going to like, I want to see what that's like. I'm interested for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And even like, I wouldn't allow myself to listen to rap music. Anything that meant like what people saw was black. I tried to be like, no, I am Marlena. I'm not going to be a stereotype. And I'm going to do everything that you think that I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I think I, um, I conformed to from Belgium. So it was, it was different again, that the African-American culture itself, but you know, as a black woman, but I think the number one thing that I did conform to was being a Mormon and being like the super CBM, like true believing walk by, you know, <laughs> the, the letter of the law Mormon. I, w- I, I, I like to say I was, I was always kind of cool because I'm European (laughs) and because, you know, when you grow up in Europe, things are different. And, you know, of course I have all that culture. So even though I was like straight laced, I still have that kind of cool edge to me, Yeah. but but I was also not fully myself. I was also trying to fit that mold of, you know, super good stay at home mother that is so focused on like the homemaking and stuff like that, you know, when really deep down, that's not who I am. Like, of course, yeah. I'm being a mother, but I absolutely love being me and doing yeah. what me like to do, yeah. you know, yeah. aside from the home and the mother and everything else. So finding that balance was really hard for me for a long yeah. time. And I had all these cognitive dissonance yeah. to fit a mold that really wasn't me. And yeah, it took decades to for me to undo all that and to finally, you know, find that that balance and, and being affirming. Like yeah. I'm a woman first, I'm Juliana first, I'm a mother second, I'm a you know, I'm yeah. a wife second, I'm a mother second. Like what it's so important because if you can't be happy in who you are first, you can't be super happy in the other stuff because something's missing. And so yeah. I I really want I hope for women that they will continue to speak up and yeah, for sure. And I, and I, I mean, I know not everybody can do this, but moving to Washington state has dramatically helped me. And I, so my aunt lives underneath too. And there, it's just been so great to, to get, have a clean slate for a minute because I feel, and maybe this is just me, but I think deep down, there's something about being raised in the church where you are so concerned about what other people think, because you are also concerned about what you know when people do something wrong it's your business too so it's like it's interesting you know how much that affected me especially when i left you know feeling kind of controlled even though i'm not but by other people's opinions of what i'm doing you have to free yourself from that and it takes a while people already assumed i was a convert because i was black it's like i never could be like no i'm born and raised and they wouldn't assume. i was like i never could be like no i'm i'm one of you guys know you're a convert not that i mean i'm not saying i'm being a convert's batter it's no, just like no it, yeah. it, you are what you are like i mean i i'm my family's convert i mean i, I grew up in the church i was four right. when my mother joined so pretty much right. four years short of being born in the church but um but yeah it, it is what it is Yes, and I feel like that is one of the most frustrating things is assumptions. But, you know, the funny thing is, after leaving, it was like, oh, people already assume I'm either a convert or I'm not a member anyway. So it was kind of like, yep. you know, I like went to the, I went to a Target with, um, you know, I wasn't wearing my garments and it was like the first time I was like, oh, okay. Like the reactions aren't that different, you know, to me. That has been ingrained in us as members, you know, that 
everyone is watching out for you. The devil, you know, like, you know, God himself. So you better make sure you do things right because you are being watched. Somebody's watching at all. Somebody's watching you at all times. And I think, I think, I think even that's why I feel like, because I I can relate. I have a lot of friends who've left you feel the same way. Mm. Why there's this idea of being afraid of what people see or or assuming that they're talking about you or that, you know, and it's really like it's in your own head. I kind of want to go into what has been most helpful. Like I love um, at the end of Mormon stories when you say, and I haven't even read the Bible like in, in, a long long time like I don't really care to like yeah. it's not about belief or not believing it's for me right. it's, um, you know I've read it so many times you know I went to seminary institute blah 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 now I know what's in there just take the good and 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 do it you know? but I do like how you interpreted the scripture that still that says be still and know that I am God yeah. that you said the God is me mm-hmm. I just wow that just blew my mind i'm like wow that's just i never thought of it that way but yeah we are kind of gods ourselves and believe in ourselves and go inside ourselves to find the answers and so how did you came up with that and what does it mean to you yeah um well i i've been reading a lot about (laughs) i don't ever heard this book called conversations with god I bought that book when I was still very active, not knowing what was going to be in the book. I don't remember. Oh, is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes. Okay. I think, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I read that book. And actually, that was actually one of the first books my dad read when he left as well, which I thought was so fascinating that we were reading the same books in our transition. Nice. And in it, it kind of, and, and I'm not saying I got the idea from this book, but I, it kind of helped solidify it. It's just this idea that, um, you know, we are in control. And it's like, I've even heard of like, you know, you're the master of your ship. You are the, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, things like that, that I've kind of like have been swirling around me. And before I left the church, I was involved in a lot of self-help. Mm-hmm. And when I was learning how to, um, heal a lot of my emotional trauma through these um, techniques, that's when I started to realize, wait, what about the atonement? You know, if, if I'm able to kind of help myself, then I was like, why do we need the atonement? And I was like, and then the more I would study Christ, I realized he never wants this. I, in my, you know, like if, if, if Christ was real, and I still believe in the consciousness of Christ, I think like the idea of Christ is a great thing. As I've been studying him, it doesn't seem like he would ever want someone to a worship him, mm-hmm. and b it seemed as he was talking that he wanted us to be like him, like literally be like him, mm-hmm. and that we have the power to create our own worlds mm-hmm. and to make our own perspectives. And as I've been reading books like the the Fifth Agreement, the Fourth Agreement, a lot of those books, it talks about how our we create our worlds. Mm-hmm. And what I see is going to be different than what you see based on your experiences. Right. And what I choose to focus on is what I'm going to see. And right. with that idea, I found that I believe that we do have the power to shape our worlds. And that, at, and that at the same time, like the idea of be still and know that we are God, you know, it's like, 
that we're all of great worth. And that's something I, I is really important to me. In fact, I did uh, some artwork on that. Yeah. So yeah, the course of miracles, um, conversations with God, and there's like four of those books also. Oh, um, sacred woman. Have you heard of Queen Afua? That one. Woman. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. Particularly with me trying to kind of reconnect with my African roots. Cause that's something that I, as I've been kind of figuring out, like, what is it, you know, I want to connect with my ancestry. So I've been looking into to that. Basically, because I, I do believe, you know, with that knowledge we seek, uh, we are able to rebuild that foundation after. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and decide what is it am I going to believe in? Like, for example, with your children, and that's that would be my next question. Where do you find your morals now? How are you going to raise your children? And what's important for you to them? Yeah, I think important thing for me is to, I, I want to expose my children to different people and to allow them to know that they're all important, regardless of what they believe, that everyone is entitled to, to their beliefs. That is their right. And that, to respect that. One thing, you know, I think is really, I'm, I'm happy, they're, they're quite um, social. They're not, they're not very shy children, and I... You know, I'm grateful. I mean, not that that is an, a, a problem, but just because of that fact, um, they they are willing to go up to all different types of people, and they're already open. They they came very open to the world. Yes, they're already very open to the world, and I I want to continue that, and I also want to respect whatever they decide to do. Mm -hmm. I mean. I mean, I, I'm not going to um, keep them if one day they decide that they want to join the church. You know, I'm not going to keep them from it. I'm going to tell them what I believe and I tell them what was my choice and be very open. But if they ever choose, I will support them whatever choice they make. And that's, and I think the reason I've been so adamant is because that's what my parents did for me. And it made, it, it made the world for me that my parents did that. I think we both said it. You can't make anyone believe something. And I've just been really respectful. Like, yes, they're children, but at the same time, allowing them to make their own choices, which is appropriate for their age, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, they're little babies, but yes. also a, a lot. Respect, I also am respectful to, you know, their, what they kind of want to do in this world. Is anything you would want to tell someone who maybe is at the beginning of the faith crisis, kind of in that really hard, lost, painful stage? Um, if you could say something to them to maybe comfort, what what would you say? Um, I would say to honor yourself. I'm really grateful because I found other women who were also going through faith transition, and I feel like if I didn't find them, it would have been a lot harder to because I kept questioning myself I mean I don't know about you but for me when I was leaving it was like at one point I'd be like yeah this is the right decision and I'd go back oh my goodness I'm a I'm a bad I'm evil it's really nice to have some other people who were like I felt the same way it's not just you all right well thank you so so much thank you that's good so good talking to you
Thank you for joining me today. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Remember that life has amazing things in store for you if you don't give up. I'm Juliana. This is the Face Transition Podcast. I will see you next time.